Good day, mate. Quack! Quack, quack. Uh, hey, matey, put another podcast on the Bobby. That's right. Welcome to the Quack Quack Podcast. I am your host, Adam Jamal. And I'm Laidback Schroeder. Laidback Schroeder. Honestly, is there any other kind of Schroeder? I haven't yeah. met him, if that's the case. Um, Aaron Schroeder, you may be asking questions like, "What? what's with the good day, mateys, and all the uh, Australian, uh, the perfect Australian accent I was throwing there. I was actually thinking that. Adam, mm-hmm. what is up with all the good day, mateys? Well, you see, Aaron, we've got huge news at the Quack 12 podcast. Now, this is just giant stuff here. Now, I received this in my... Um, In my email here, in the official Quack 12 podcast Gmail, which I guess I don't plug enough, but whatever, it's Gmail. Um, (laughs) If you want to email us. If you want to email us, there you go. But uh, I got this from a company called Chartable. I haven't looked them up, but I imagine they're very, I imagine they're a wonderful company. And I imagine that they're top of whatever they do. Uh, You see, they, they look at the charts for podcasts and they sent us an email just a week ago. Oh, has confirmed that we are the 82nd right most listened to college football podcast in Australia. So boom, we've made it, say, man. I just I'm proud of the podcast. We always knew we would get to a level kind of like this. Congratulations! Um, yeah, good day, mates. Uh, good day. No, I'm not even gonna do. Uh, it's probably a bit insulting, but um, yeah. But you know what's interesting? I have a buddy mm-hmm. that actually moved to what I used to say was Melbourne, but now I Melbourne. say it's Melbourne. Yes, right. And he moved there. Uh, you know, got married. Mm-hmm. The uh, she's from Melbourne. Melbourne. And I shit you not, when I talk to him now, mm-hmm. he's actually taken on certain aspects of the like you know dialect well that's what i want to do with the podcast you know like pepper in some of this instead of saying the word no i'll be like nar you know it's a shame that neither of us are cigarette smokers because then we could be like we're going to take a quick smoko and we'll be right back they said that's cool that's yeah smoko is cool. like a 15 minute cigarette break yeah, there you go. I like it. See, smoko. they do things right over there um i'll probably oh, yeah. add some like koalas and uh kangaroos and someone getting attacked by a crocodile or something like that totally i'll add some little graphics i don't know if i'll have the energy to do in this episode but we'll see um watchers of this at a later time will be able to see how lazy i was but i just wanted to do a shout out to australian listeners have no idea how many of them there are out there um hey also yeah to our australian fandom mm mm-hmm. We've already given you the email address, quack12podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you email us, I will gratefully send you <laughs> double the cost of a kangaroo steak because I am absolutely curious to try one of these. Things. So what you're saying is if they email us, their prize is they get to do our bidding for a little while. No, us email us. Mail. Being like, yo, I've got the, I've got kangaroo steaks. I can send oh, yeah. you one. You tell me what the cost of shipping is. I'm sure it's going to be insane. We could go to my hometown, Medford, Oregon. You can eat a kangaroo burger there. But we're getting off um, at Jasper's. Shout out to Jasper's. Uh, we're getting off topic here because technically this is an Oregon Ducks podcast. And we just Great had point. a huge win, Aaron. That's right, Adam. Blimey, it was huge, man. 
And, you know, I do want to bring up a, a side point, but it explains mm -hmm. a lot. You may notice I'm a bit more relaxed looking today. You are looking a little bit more laid back. Pretty laid back. I That's say. because I just got done eating a giant bag of potato chip Kellys. Mm -hmm. And they were delicious. <laughs> oh, the whole thing down. You hate. I don't know why you hate Chip Kelly, uh, uh, but I dig it. I, I don't I get why everyone team. loves him. Because he was our coach and took us to levels we had never seen before. But literally, a baby Ducks fan. Even during the game, the announcers were talking about how Chip Kelly just was far superior to Cristobal. And I'm like, why does Ever, I mean, this dude's a dejected NFL coach. Why does anybody think he's actually a good? I'll tell you this, man. Well, he changed the game. He changed the game of college football is one of the reasons why. I'll tell you this. Oh, did DTR. DTR. Um, okay. I, heard it. I mean, yes. here it is. Yet again, I've shown off my wonderful ignorance for the game. Yeah, my man. Uh, completely. But uh, we'll get into that later, I guess. All right. I, mean, I'll I don't know how you didn't Kelly, pick up on this. <laughs> Um, so we were talking about uh, our future guest Hithliday here, who we'll bring on in a bit. From the um, he had a tweet that said, uh, DTR deserves game ball the way he was just fighting for those extra yards, making like solid passes, making smart decisions, too. Um, I mean, yeah, he had a couple, he had some uh turnovers, um, but still, yeah, he was impressive as hell, especially for someone who I've ragged on quite a bit. As just like a, a poor man's version of Jaden Daniels. DTR really came out fighting. Who knows what would have happened if he was actually on that final drive because uh, we, we had Baby Garbers, or I guess Baby Garbers, yeah. Baby Garbers comes out and looks like he was going to win the whole thing. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because in my mm -hmm. head I went, oh my God, Baby Garbers? Mm -hmm. But then I immediately understood what his actual nickname is it's Gerbers. Oh, that's good. <laughs> That's good. That's so Ger forever. When Gerbers hit the field, I also was like, Gerbers. what family is this? I need to meet and have Thanksgiving dinner with this family who oh, is yeah. just creating pretty decent looking quarterbacks. Quarterbacks that lose to Oregon. Ethan Garbers. Which I'm that, fine with. Yeah. Does that last second pick. Um, and once again, isn't it amazing, Aaron? Like this game, first of all, we were down 14 points early on and we looked like that was some of the worst football we've, we've played. <laughs> we okay. looked truly bad. Did you actually get to see the first quarter? Because, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I went over the, of the nine time overtime of the game before <laughs> it yeah. clicked over to them going and welcome to the game. And we'll be right back with the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, what? I went over to ESPN News. I watched that first quarter. It was it was brutal. Um, you cool. know, you just missed us looking bad, 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 bad. I mean, so they marched down the field like everyone seemingly does against us on that opening drive. They go 12 plays, 75 yards, and they get the score. Wow. And then um, we turn it over on downs, actually, at the UCLA 34 on fourth and two. Um, Travis Dye only picks up one of those yards instead. Uh, and then right. on the very next, where was that play, at? That was at the uh, UCLA 34. Okay. So they get the ball. Yeah. Instead of the field goal would have been quite a field goal. And I don't know who, who knows. <laughs> I think we've got a great kicker, but I don't want to test it with the 51 yard field. Goal. You know, didn't he miss an extra point? Yes. <laughs> and didn't it just go like boink? <laughs> I, I think so. I don't quite remember it. but um, It was a donger. On the next drive, so UCLA starts the ball, uh, you know, gets the ball on the next drive, and it's a DTR pick. And um, 
And I, and I and again, it was because the pressure got to him, and the pressure was just endless. And Kayvon Thibodeau, it's just so fun to have a player on defense to be like, I'm watching, like just like you do for uh, you know quarterback on offense to be like, my eye finds number five and watches him throughout this thing, and uh, it was wonderful. Like he's yeah, beautiful insane. stuff. You do feel bad for the quarterbacks at times. Oh. You know, I feel like I'm going to do a terrible job of talking about the game, honestly, because there's too many other things I want to discuss about this game. Well, to be fair, I mean, how different would that be from any other episode of the I mean, true, podcast? but I assumed you would bring this up out of the gate. What did you think of the uniforms? Oh, I thought um, they made me hungry for sweets because I got a big sweet tooth and it looked like a McFlurry or something like that, which I haven't had in years. We're not sponsored by McDonald's, by the way. Um... I I kind of like them. I made a joke where it was like on our Twitter account at Quack Twelve Podcast. This joke was not well liked, but I'll say it again for the the show. Um, it re- was really fitting for Eugene because everything is covered in black mold, and it really did kind of look black moldy. It looked like Damn. someone left out That's a- the regular clean white uniforms on, on like in on Autzen, like just out in the rain in Autzen, and right. then they brought it in. They're like, uh, this will do. Uh, but I thought they were cool enough. I don't know. We wanted them, so I like them. <laughs> I didn't like them, but then I also, same thing. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't like this look because I was like, they just look like they are, in fact, dirty, which I get mud ducks. Mm-hmm. Mud ducks. But they're like on AstroTurf, I think. Maybe it was real ground. I don't know. I was like, it'd be cool to come out in the second half in these after having worn all white in the first half. <laughs> I like that idea. Change. I would have done a halftime. There's there's no time to like game plan for the second half because everyone's doing their little costume change. I love that idea. I love it. Look, football is theater. Okay. So let's jizz it up a little bit. Yeah. So Aaron, (laughs) down 14 points. Right. All right. Right. Because even though we get the turnover, we're forced to punt just three and out. And then they get uh, a touchdown four plays later, just flying down the field. Then, um, but then my man, Travis Dye, uh, who was just phenomenal in this game, obviously he gets four touchdowns. My man gets four touchdowns. I believe it was like the only player to get consecutive touchdowns that I have to look at it. Dude, again. I'm pretty sure he got all four of them in a row. Yeah. Our, in first, a row, like 20, our first 27 points. Shit. Okay. The first four touchdowns are his touchdowns. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm I also do believe that. So he only came in at like goal line situations, which it's like you look at him and it's like he's not that kind of back. He's right. not the kind of, you know, technically Dude, Cardwell will be more like that. Also, he is also awarded best footage of the oh, game, yeah. even though it was not considered a touchdown from the pylon, whatever that orange stick pylon. That's right. Pylon, the pylon camera where it had him elbow down. But mm-hmm. then he like Kareem, he goes into the camera, so it's like just face. <laughs> well, plus I'll say best screen time in general because that mustache is so sick, dude. So sick. Mustache looks great. Uh, I love him. And, love it. Uh, yeah. So so we're up all of a sudden, and then it looks like oh we're solid. We're gonna win this thing like easy right. maybe. Right. But then uh, of course we had another fumble from Chris Hudson. That was a huge moment that kind of changed yeah. things. Um, and Chris Hudson's having a pretty tough season because he was called for that spinning the ball. 
He's had a couple of costly fumbles. Uh, we're wishing him luck. He's talented, but uh, tough, tough rookie campaign. Would you say his head is not in the game quite yet? I mean, I think it's in the game. I think he's just got to learn it. Learn to freaking hold on to the ball. <laughs> I don't know what to say other than that. He, he'll get it. I mean, he's young. He's really young. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, we have because uh, like every apparently every fucking Oregon Ducks game. And yes, I curse. We'll get into that later. Apparently, every Oregon Ducks game, um, you have to have an Anthony Brown. The final touchdown needs to be a giant touchdown run from Anthony Brown. Because this one was the uh, a forty three yard, it was set up so perfectly. DJ right. Johnson too, just brr, plowing through. Um, yeah, it was a, a forty three yard touchdown run from Anthony Brown, thirty four to seventeen. That puts us up. But you know, it's that was the moment. All it, it really felt like, oh, Anthony Brown, best game of the season, like possibly better than even Ohio State. I don't know at that point because like, he is just even before that run in touchdown. Mm-hmm. I do believe uh, there was a flag, so he had a free play, mm-hmm. and he dropped a deep one, and we caught it. Yeah, well, he was uh, so he was throwing some deep balls. Some didn't work out so great, but that one did. He was definitely. I would definitely say like the intermediate passing game because we've seen a lot of short, seen a lot of screens, a RPO, lot of short. and like we were seeing that in this too. But like finally, especially in that like third quarter when he was just locking on to Pittman, kind of. But we just saw a lot more passes, like ten to twenty yards. Yep. Uh, you know, like being caught ten to twenty yards out, and that felt really good. And so, like, it felt like, oh man, his but like way to go, Anthony Brown. And it, he's like, no, it's not an Oregon game unless it comes down to the fucking wire apparently because he throws two picks the first pick was um i mean first pick felt like yeah sometimes you're gonna throw a pick you know i don't yeah, know sometimes you're gonna throw one and like the, a lot of people are like he just straight up didn't see the guy like he's kind of like if you look at the footage he's kind of like sitting like in the ucla like blue and on the field and blends in perfectly and it's like whatever that's a mistake that other pick that other fourth quarter pick was freaking hard to swallow. The fourth Especially quarter pick after just an amazing the drive deep, that he the dropped deep in the, to end, the end zone. zone. And, yeah. And it was like, all we got, we're like, we're trying to kill the clock here. Yes. Um, and it seems like from post game stuff, it does seem like there was some idea to go deep down the field. Uh, like, you know, not just Anthony Brown being like, oh, I definitely want to do this. But it sounds like there was some kind of like plan to do that. But when that's the plan, um, he either got to freaking nail that pass or take the the huge amount of yardage in front of you just with your legs, like what you normally do. Like it would I mean, in that point of the game, that was really tough to freaking swallow. And if DTR was like healthy and let's say he just does a miracle drive. And they freaking tie this game or win this game. Time people out. would be flipping out after that. Who is DTR? Dorian Thompson Robinson, the uh, quarterback for UCLA. Thompson man. Robinson, right. Once again, uh, Aaron Schroeder doesn't. He he's he does pay attention at the moment to college football because we've had this podcast for I don't know four or but five I mean, years. I only, I only could I would say I probably know forty percent of the Oregon Ducks names. In and out, in and out, but that's fine because you're here to you're here for the vibe. You're here for a vibe check, really. Yeah, that coffee pot looks really cool. Gotta okay. say, 
with the green screen. Just saying. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, we stop them with another pick, which is fun to, you know, uh, Hithliday said this, and I think a lot of people were thinking this. It's like we got super lucky, obviously, uh, in the turnover battle for a real long stretch. Yep. And then suddenly, um, yeah, like it kind of dried up for the last couple of games. It kind of it came back on. I mean, it went both ways. You got to give uh, UCLA's defense some credit there. Um, but it came back. We got our. I, I believe we forced what I think. One, I want to say three. Yeah, we each got three turnovers. Each wow. Team, each team uh, got a fumble and or, or forced a fumble, and each team uh, picked off the other team twice. Um, Thank God we got that last one too, because woof. Whew, what a hell of a game. Am I Beautiful. right? It, it was it was really fun to watch. I mean, technically, I would say this is the toughest team on paper that we should have for the remainder of the season until the Pac-12 championship game in which we'll play maybe ASU, maybe Utah, maybe UCLA again. Um, Question on paper. Yes. Where does UCLA rank in comparison to Ohio State? Oh, um, way, way, way lower. Like, Ohio State is even better than UCLA. Ohio State is 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 playing a different game practically. It's uh, just because their roster is is flushed with so much more talent. The roster has been managed so much better. They have so much of a clear identity. You. Um, I'm very Ohio interested State. to talk to Hithliday then about the UCLA game because I was assuming because we were having a tough time with them, they were on par with Ohio State. My man, that's this season though. Every team we play, we, it, we make it look like the Ohio State game. Like it's like a back and forth yeah. thing. Sometimes we're trail. Like every freaking game has got to be. That's true. <laughs> one score. Uh, I, I don't know why. Can't explain it. But well, injuries. That's a good way to just write it all off. Aaron, um, what are your final thoughts? We are six and one at this point in the season. Uh, we got uh, five games left. Before we bring on Hithliday, I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, where we're at right now. Six and one. Yeah, we're un- we're unstoppable at this moment. Uh, I don't think I don't have any fears about anything. I think we will probably win. All five games, Mm. we should absolutely be going to the playoffs after we win the champs. And then if we lose the, the, you know, in the playoffs, that's probably fine. But I think we deserve to be there. I think if anyone still has issues with Anthony Brown Jr., they should shut up about it. Anthony Brown Jr. Because he's my best friend. I love it. And also, uh, die just absolutely is a jaw dropper. Yeah. I is what a also what a hope he goes to the Seahawks. <laughs> I, I want it. I want my favorite ducks to go to the Seahawks. Well, Ugo Amadi, we, we need him, baby. <laughs> Ugo Amadi on the Seahawks. I've I've always loved seeing him, and he he seems to have been really thriving there. But uh, we're getting yeah when no. you're one one game on the season. But I diverge. That's our Seahawks corner. That's our Seahawks minute. That's it. We got it one got every it episode. Um, so let's bring in our man. Uh, from Addicted to Quack, uh, where he is the resident film reviewer. You can read his articles, Duck Tape. They're fantastic, coming out every week. Absolutely. Um, looking ahead at their opponent and looking behind at the game that they just played. Uh, really fantastic reads. Um, that is... And fantastic guy that writes them. Yeah, he's a great he's a great person. Uh, Hithla Day. Um, 
Epiphany, my man, what a game that was. Uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Uh, so I think the right way to think about this game is that it's two 14 and 0 runs by UCLA at the beginning of the game and the end of the game wow. and a 34 to three run by Oregon in the middle of the game. And <clears throat> the 34 to three run in the middle of the game is the real game. Yeah. And the, 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 the first, you know, 14, no run by UCLA is a scripted drive, which is why, you know, Chip Kelly's mad genius. Like, I don't think he's uh, been a great coach for UCLA, but the one thing that he, you know, he was doing this at Oregon too. Like if you go back and watch Oregon, Oregon's films during the years, he was there. Like he scripts the first drive or so and puts in wacky stuff and gets a touchdown to start out. It's why, you know, you'll find Oregon fans be like, I, I, I feel like, you know, if Oregon wins the flip, they should take the ball first because they're definitely going to score, you know, and then they'll put the mm -hmm. opponent behind the chains the entire game. And and the reason that they believe that was because Chip Kelly scripts And so it's like, boy, it was really I mean, as a pure football fan, like it was actually really fun to watch that drive because he I mean, he threw the kitchen sink the ducks. There were <laughs> so many like you know, having done film study on those, so many like tendency breakers and weird plays. There's a play uh, in which they line up their long snapper as a wide receiver. Um, but because he's wearing the 51 Jersey, then they have like their tight end fake being the right tackle. And then he releases um, Kayvon Thibodeau blows up that play and it winds up not hurting the ducks, but like there's all sorts of weird and wacky stuff that he puts in that. And then there's the blocked punt, you know? Uh, yeah right so anyway you know, Oregon's and there was like there was like like six blocked punts or like messed up punts in the pack 12 yeah really Saturday. it was nuts. yeah no it's it, you know basically you see it you know you, you just sort of got to take that punch you know UCLA was going to score on its first drive there's no other way to put it that was going to happen and then you know the block punt gave him a short field and they scored again um and so, you know, looking down, you know, the 14, no hole. And then Oregon pops off five consecutive touchdowns. Uh, wow. And the only thing that UCLA does at all during most of the game is that right before the second half field mm -hmm. goal drive, which was assisted by a couple of um, improbable events. Let's leave it there. Um, uh -huh. And then, you know, and, and so like to the point where the game is 34 to 17, right? Like the game is effectively over there. There's. You know, there there is a point when it's you know when when UCLA it's fourth and eighteen and they go for it and throw the ball and like that's a that's a classic sign that garbage time has begun that the opponent has gone into desperation mode and um, I, I I continued to chart the game after that point because um, there's some interesting stuff and frankly the numbers don't actually really change at all if I exclude that but uh, the game's over. It's 34 to 17. And then Oregon turns the ball over three times. There's that Chris Hudson fumble and then the two dumb picks by Anthony Brown. Mm -hmm. And DTR plays out of his mind. You know, he gets the UCLA goes five of seven on fourth down conversions. It's just like, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's bad for him to call him getting lucky. But, you know, there's some lucky stuff from UCLA and also just, you know, give DTR the the game ball like i mean he was just that that was his best game he's ever played um and yeah so then would you argue that if we didn't have our errors in that time period it probably would have been an even bigger yes blown out? oh yeah like that game probably should have ended something like 34 20 so um in true ducks form the team that can best beat us 
is us. That's always. I mean, the, <laughs> I mean look at oh, the yeah. box score. Here, I I'll, know. I'll, I'll uh, you know, I, 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 I come up with my own stats because I'm charting the game and excluding certain things and, and recategorizing plays. Quack you know. facts, if you will. Uh, there you go, baby. I, I'm correcting the box score. Um, but if we just go with the raw box score, I'll, you know, I'll look at it. Uh, Oregon, when passing, it uh, gets 7.6 yards per pass. UCLA gets 5.3. Oregon's 2.3 yards per play better. In rushing, uh, Oregon's getting 5.0 yards per rush. UCLA is getting 2.4, 2.6 wow. yards per play better. Like, Twice as much. It, and 2.4 yards per rush is really bad. Um, it, it sounds it, terrible. It sounds yeah. like you can't get a first down with that amount of I mean, money. You, you, Correct. I mean, unless you're going for it on floor, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Oregon just, you know, on a fundamental strength basis is a far better team than mm. UCLA. And, you know, the stuff that happens to keep it close is Chip Kelly at the beginning of the game and Anthony Brown interceptions at the end of the game. Yeah. And like you, you just have to live with Chip Kelly. But I mean, it's the point that we keep coming back to with Anthony Brown is like the guy's. 75% of an elite quarterback. Like there's good stuff. Like he's up running the RPO offense pretty well. Um, he's, you know, he seems to be totally over whatever that, whatever was keeping him down in the Arizona and Stanford games. You know, he's, he's guaranteed really, at least one long game winning yeah. touchdown. He runs really well. Um, you know, and oh, here's the other thing. Uh, UCLA is really terrible at defending screen passes, just like absolutely atrocious about it. Like it's, I highlighted it in my preview article and then I highlighted it in my review article. Um, if you pull those screen passes out and just look at the downfield passing, you know, the stuff that the quarterback does, you know, where he's got to read the field and, you know, make an accurate throw. Uh, it's, it's 15 successes versus 15 failures. Mm -hmm. And there's no gray area there's no like oh that was an okay play or oh that was technically a failure but you know they still got four yards it was fine no it's there's 15 nfl throws and then the failures aren't entirely his fault like there's a drop and one time the blitz got through but they're mostly his fault and they're mostly him just throwing a terrible pass oh, um yeah. you know or an interception um and, and, and it's like Jesus, you know, it, it, there's there's no middle ground with this guy. He's either throwing and I mean, the good throw, like like the like I said about the good throws, they're not like anybody could make that pass. They're tough throws like he's really got to read the defense. He's really got to, you know, put a, a throw with the appropriate arc and the appropriate zip. And he's got to lead the guy. And like I put a couple of clips in my article, uh, if anybody ever saw them. Um, <laughs> where it's just like, this is an NFL throw and he's doing any, he, and he has several of them. And I'm not talking about screen passes. Like his, his, his completion percentage is sort of inflated and, you know, he's 29 for 39, but that's inflated by how many screen passes they were throwing mm -hmm. in this game. Um, the, the real downfield passes. It's so bizarre because it's split right down the middle between NFL throws and like, you know, pop Warner quarterbacks would be pulled you know, for that sort of stuff. And it, you know, it's, it's maddening. And yeah, that is totally why UCLA, you know, came back from a 34 to 17 deficit. Well, I, I just want you to know if it gets so maddening that you feel like you need to express yourself, uh, through cursing. Mm -hmm. Um, we, I, I've decided to make a definitive statement for the quack 12. The uh, we used, corner. well, we used to say that, um, uh, this podcast was not for kids unless they're cool kids that were down with hearing some swears every once in a while. And then we started to lay back on the cursing. But following um, 
our team itself, which I have three choice quotes here to prove that if you are an Oregon Duck fan, you're all right with some fucking foul language, pun intended. I was uh, just about to. Uh... Well, this is this is one. Uh, you know, right before Travis Dice's first touchdown of the evening, run the fucking ball is what they uh, <laughs> had him. Uh, I oh guess yeah, that's what he said. That's they what said, they reported. He I love said. that they reported it. They're like to run the. Coach. the I think he said effing. I, I forget. But they censored it some way, but like they, I love yeah, that they reported that it. Effing, yeah, it doesn't seem it, like something you'd have to report on the sideline. But uh, it's funny because they they weren't like that. That was actually the most interesting thing about Oregon's offensive st- strategy in this game is that for every tranche of the field until mm-hmm. they crossed UCLA's ten yard line, they were passing at about a fifteen or twenty percent higher percentage. Um, you know more percentage points than than they you know so it's like you know at the 50 yard line they normally pass at a 50 45 percent rate they were passing at a 65 percent rate in this game you know oh, what yeah. I mean? it's, like it's, it seemed like they were really uh especially in the second half it seemed like that was the plan is to take uh, try to take advantage over ucla's uh pass defense well yeah it, they're just yeah no i mean ucla's defense is just not well they they have a number of vulnerabilities that oregon was taking advantage of and they all you know many of them just happened to be related to the pass and 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 so for example they they had a ton of you know the cornerbacks were playing off on the you know the outside and so there's a ton of free access passes which anthony brown can throw that pass really well mm-hmm. um there's like nine of them in the game where he throws either the flat or it's a little far they're, you know, like a 15 yard out um, where like UCLA is just letting them have it. Um, and Anthony <laughs> Brown is hitting it every time. Um, uh, and, you know, like I said, screen passes where Oregon is like, you know, 80% success rate at, at screen passes. Cause you see, and it's because of the structure of UCLA's defense, just they put all the bodies in the middle of the field. And uh, so you, know, you could say uh, that you agree with the great cave on Thibodeau. Um, who was quoted during during the interview, the post game interview, uh, uncensored because they didn't have time to censor it. They drew up, they drew up a great fucking scheme. Well, I, I do agree with that. He's talking about the defense, and I'll I'll mention the defense in in a minute because the defense played really well too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but on offense, I mean, the thing that I appreciated rather the most was that they did their film study. You know that they. They they knew where UCLA was vulnerable, you know. They uh, and and they attacked it, you know, in terms of the a free access passes, b screen passes, um, and and uh, and then when they got inside the ten yard line, that was the other thing that I discovered about UCLA in film study was that they um, UCLA's r- explosive rush defense is pretty good. They are they keep you from getting explosive rushes but what they don't prevent you from doing is getting efficiency runs in 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 that way there's they're like Oregon's defense um and so they're passing the ball to take advantage of UCLA's poor explosive passing defense and sure mm-hmm. enough they're getting explosive passes and then when they cross the 10 yard line they flip it around i don't care if you can prevent explosive rushing because we're inside the 10 yard line. <laughs> like right. I, by definition, I can't run for more than 10 yards. So I'll take advantage of your poor efficiency, rushing uh, defense and run the ball right at you. And sure enough, you know, they run every single time inside the 10 yard line, they get a bunch of touchdowns. Um, it, it, so this all goes under the heading of 
Oregon paid attention to what UCLA's defense did well and did not do well. They paid attention to what their numbers in the box were and attacked them or did not attack them, you know, depending on that. Like they they mm-hmm. played a smart offensive game plan. They weren't trying to, you know, force stuff. So anybody who's out there who's like, oh, Mario Cristobal's a meathead who only wants to do one thing and impose his will. It's like this game is very good evidence that that's not true. Yeah, and you got to congratulate uh, Joe Moorhead. I mean, sorry, Washington State's future head coach mm-hmm. Joe Moorhead uh, for doing that. And uh, one, I one mean, more Oregon was here. seven of nine on third downs. Like that doesn't happen by accident. That's right. Um, one more quote here. Uh, Mario Cristobal said this to some fans in the Rose Bowl afterwards. He called their attention and said, "Hey, hey, hey! No more booing and knots, and I don't want to hear that shit." So that's all three levels. I mean, that's the offense, that's the defense, that's the head coach. So and we're allowed to fucking swear on this podcast. I'm goddamn right. Now, Sorry if you're at work. But. And I'm glad for that quote to be the last one as well, because it does help me pivot into the question. Hithliday, mm-hmm. how do you feel about Anthony Brown Jr.? I feel like he's, well, I, I think I said this last week. I'll, I'll, I'll just repeat it. He's like, 75- well, yeah, I'm just looking for a weekly update. He's about 75% of an elite quarterback because but how do you feel about him? I'm like, you're not paying me enough to learn my emotions. Um, <laughs> he's in, in the, in the operating the offense bucket, you know, the, the, the RPO reads, the pocket presence, you know, scrambling, running the ball, all that stuff he, in this grade, in this game, he gets pretty close to a hundred percent. Um, in the downfield passing, you know, we traditionally think of as the quarterback's duties, the Tom Brady stuff, you know, standing in the pocket and and picking out a receiver and throwing an accurate ball. Mm-hmm. He's like, he gets a 50% grade, you know, right. it's, you know, it's not good enough. It's an F it's a, you know, but what which he is does overall down to 75%. Yeah. It makes him like a 75% right, quarterback, got it. which Third. like, if you're looking for an explanation for why this team can be uh, six and one ranked in the top 10 have beat Ohio state in Columbus. Um, and yet every game is a heart stopper and you're pulling your hair out. Yeah. Having a 75% quarterback surrounded by a very talented team with a great uh, a pair of coordinators like yeah th- and throw a do huge amount time. of injuries speci- yeah, at injuries one specific <laughs> position and speaking of injuries the offense was uh, i was the other yeah many people deserve game balls the uh, alex mirabal who uh damn near killed a couple of refs um i loved that it was uh, a total it was a total like let me at him let me at him i know it's great. Oh, that, that dude's carrying knives like don't don't mess with him um oh no the uh, uh, so many offensive line, like you know, injuries, like they were playing. Uh, boy, uh, it would take too long to recite all of them. They're in my article, um, but like you know, they were they had TJ Bass, uh, a guard playing tackle. They brought in Dawson Jeremillo, a tackle to play guard. I don't know why they didn't flip them, but apparently that's what they were practicing at that week. So like they there decided to stick with it. And then the second half, George Moore comes off the bench. I don't know why he was on the bench in the first half. He plays left tackle. Um, uh, Jack, Jackson Powers Johnson, the true freshman, was playing left guard to start the game. Then he he's a you know he he's a great dude. Uh, he gets injured. He has to go off, so they have to you know get somebody in to replace him. Uh, and then you know your Mills, which is over the right. Like I recited all of this in my article. Uh, it's 
it's bonkers how much, you know, Oregon really does have, you know, when it's fully healthy, eight playable dudes and they're playing all of them. Like, and I mean, this is the proof of what they've been trying to build, right? Is it, yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, I have been very confused um, by it because it's so unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always comment on it like this is really weird. And yet hardly anybody laid a finger on Anthony Brown, right? Oregon's rushing effectiveness was very high. Like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a couple of plays I put in my article where I think the offensive line wasn't blocking, you know, great, but they happen early. Um, you know, they sort of like clean up some stuff and it's just like any other team that's dealing with this level of offensive line weirdness um, would be in the gutter. And that's not happening to Alex Mirabal's, you know, offensive line. So like way to go, dude. Yeah, I agree. Aaron, we try to bring conspiracy to every episode we do. This week's conspiracy brought to you by uh, Bruins fans, salty Bruins fans, is that um, actually they made a field goal that they said they missed early on. And if they would have gotten this field goal, then technically it would have been a tie game at Mm. the end. And and that would have changed everything, apparently. Um, So we got it right here. Oh, shit, okay. This is the... So obviously second quarter, eight minutes, 12 seconds left off the boot. And I mean, it looks pretty wide left to me from the camera angle. But then we got uh, I'll, I'll try to y'all see in. Oh, this uh, is going to be one of the like we can't fan perspective. Yeah, yeah, there's a more. Con- yeah, because that's that's always the best thing is when you get these like. But here's the alternate angle. That's what we want. Yeah, right? the alternate angles usually tend to have a bad uh, frame of reference for what. And, and sorry, tiny, it's, I can't really Twitter, so it's terrible here, but you, you can see why people were maybe a little bit more. I can't really even make it bigger, but this is what they're crying about. This is what I'm bringing to you in conspiracy court. Do you see anything here, Aaron? It's too small to see anything, so I can't confirm nor deny, but I'm going to assume two guys standing underneath the goal have a pretty mm-hmm. good idea of where the ball is. That's, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm going to stick with whatever the refs said. Yeah, especially when it says we win the game. Exactly. You see it here, though. I mean, I mean, they're right there. Both of them. There wasn't a moment of hesitation. And when have Pac-12 refs steered us wrong in the past? So totally, I'm gonna. Dude. They're put, always on our side, right? Yeah. So we debunked this one, right? Debunked. Great should, conspiracy. We need a big like debunk. Great one though. Thing, you know. I I try to bring you all the conspiracies I can get. I appreciate it. That was a, that one was excellent. You know, I fucking love your brother. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get some final thoughts on this because otherwise, I don't really have too much to say. I mean, honestly, it was a fantastic game because at this point, a um a close game doesn't shake me to my core as much as it did in even 2020 because I've because we've already seen so many freaking close games. I'm already kind of thinking like. I've prepared myself for mm, we may have one more loss in the regular season in us. Uh, that would be unfortunate, but ending 10 and two and probably Pac-12 North champions, that's good enough. For, like I, I'm not, I'm never gonna be too disappointed in that. Even though this team could be, you know, really great. So um, I don't get shook as much. Even in this game, uh, we were down 14 points. That did make me think for a second that. Oh man, this may be yeah. a truly terrible outing. But like all these games, our defense has really sharpened a lot in second halves. Uh, maybe I mean this one we fell off a little bit, but give DTR credit. Uh, when Kayvon Thibodeau is playing all four quarters, 
he <laughs> just changes the game. Baby. Like Chip Kelly in college football, he changes the game, and it's fun as hell to watch him. And you, and again, he's just like tearing through these quarterbacks. And I gotta say, I'm excited as hell against Colorado because actually they just replaced their they fired their offensive line coach even because they're having so much trouble with that unit particularly wow. protecting their quarterback and now we're going to throw Kayvon Thibodeau at him um this may be the first game since like Arizona or I mean maybe you can even say Stony Brook considering Arizona was a one score game in the fourth quarter um this could be the one game that we actually get a pull away from our opponent that being said, I still, for some freaking reason, think it's going to be a close game till the last minute. If there's, there's a lot of one thoughts, thing but... I understand mm -hmm. for sure, whenever you feel great about a game, it's going to be nail biter. We may even lose. So the fact that you're not super duper concerned has me shit scared. Yeah. Well, so I think this might be a freak loss, but I believe I believe we're going to go 11 and one. I, I do. I uh, like my logical brain. Uh, Hithliday still. He, he's doing something. We'll throw him back in whenever he unmutes himself. But uh, just so the listeners know. Um, but uh, I, I, my logical brain thinks we're going eleven and one for sure. Uh, I'm, however, very concerned because, like I said again, I actually because of the way that game was played, I presumed. UCLA was at a level that they are truly not at. Hithliday has given me a bit more concern with understanding that really it is a total 50-50 shot if we shoot ourselves in the foot. Well, I mean, we got and we still got so much thing time. happening on another team and then we go in there. What happens to us is what we end or what I've seen through history. It seems as though when it's a surefire thing, we play mm. a little bit softer. We end up losing. Well, yeah. Well, Colorado, so it, it's tough to say. It's in Eugene, uh, oh. where where there will be, from what I understand, no more booing. So that's zero boos. Um, Hithley, any final thoughts in this Oregon UCLA game? We've been on a tangent here, but uh, well, we haven't really talked about the defense. I, you know, oh yeah, sorry. Play, played a great game. You know, it's uh, it's a little obscured by the final score. Like I said, you know, the opening drive by Chip Kelly. Uh, you know, is really great script, and the defense doesn't look great in that. And then the end of the game, DTR, you know, go go. But like, even then, if you look at the success rates and those last couple of drives for UCLA, it's like, you know, it's a bunch of fourth down conversions. You know, it's the defense succeeds on three plays, and then UCLA gets a miracle pass. And like, there's there's only so much you can you know you can expect the defense to do about it. You sort of set that aside and look at the rest of the game. It's I mean, they're killing them like the defense was was playing lights out. And I mean, that's it's a nice that, you know, you were trying to figure out what Oregon's record is for the rest of the season. And, and it's and in Aaron, you made a comment earlier. It's like only the Ducks can stop the Ducks. And and it's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I have the fundamental, you know, we're now deep enough into the season that even though I haven't charted all these teams and all the games like I, I you know, I have their play-by-plays and it can run the preliminary data on fundamental strength. And like even the two strongest looking, you know, or three, if you want to throw in Arizona state, cause they'll probably wind up being the Pac-12 championship opponent. Uh, like all of them, Oregon grades at out as having a higher fundamental strength than every, you know, every team uh, th that would be left. And, and, you know, it's like, if you, 
you know, the reason that fundamental strength is useful is the same reason that if you're looking at two people who are about to fight and you see that one weighs 280 pounds and the other weighs 100 pounds, you know, like if Mario Cristobal versus Alex Mirabal, you know, Alex, of course, Alex Mirabal has to carry knives. There's only one way he's winning that fight, and that's to cheat, like, um, or to, you know, have some miracle lucky thing go his way, right? Like fundamental strength, you know, tells you that Mario Cristobal would destroy Alex Mirabal in a fight. Um, and, and but what you can't do is predict whether or not, you know, you can't predict, you know, is Anthony Brown going to throw a string of four interceptions? You can't right. predict whether or not the opposing quarterback is going to play with his hair on fire. You can't predict whether or not the refs are going to do some weird stuff, you know, like all, all of these, you know, the non football factors, you know, what metaphorically uh, equates to the, you know, secret knives in this fight metaphor. Like you can't predict that sort of by definition. Um, but what you can predict is fundamental strength and fundamental strength, you know, favors Oregon in every game they play or might play like, so I don't know how you bet on that. You probably shouldn't be betting. It's immoral and, and stupid. <laughs> Couldn't you just say if you mind. restrict Anthony Brown from passing more than 15 yards, we're, we're in the clear? Well, you can't go. I, you, no. Just like take uh, I mean, he threw away. an interception on a pass that was, I think, intended for 13 yards. So I don't know about that. Uh, and, and you can't like totally give up stretching the defense because then the defense will change up the box count. Um, Fuck, but, right you know the, the football is interrelated that you know you, you can't totally isolate any play from any other play but like right you know it, there's yeah man i mean the the primary thing the, the primary thing that that prevents oregon from blowing teams out or mistakes that the quarterback is making um yeah tragic and there's no way to predict and the thing about the the nature of football is that like those can be harmless mistakes you know oh an incomplete pass on second and five well it's still third and five and they ran the ball and picked it up and so that didn't really matter um or you know it mattered in the sense that it wasn't a touchdown pass but you know it, it wasn't a lethal mistake on the other hand you know throw an interception on the opponent's 30 yard line like um, you know bad stuff can happen and like you just can't none of that is predictable and if you have a quarterback who's prone to making mistakes then you it's it's a very high variance thing i would not want to be in the business of predicting oregon's you know final five six games like it's yeah. just on it the game that probably scares me actually the most um i mean beavers are heating up looking good we'll get in the, into that in a minute but um i am so freaking afraid that we're just gonna have our worst game in seattle and we will lose to the huskies because wow, i think we can say that i think we can basically lose to anyone on our schedule we could like, I don't I mean, think it's, it's not like Alabama going through there. Like, I, we just look so mortal. This, like, I mean, that would be super humiliating, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing that gives me, actually, the UCLA gave, gave me a lot more optimism about that one because it's really, Washington is a team where it's really, really clear what they're good at and what they're bad at. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. And there's no sort of muddying the waters where you could talk yourself into doing, you know, into making mistakes. Um, I mean, from a strategic perspective right um with washington it is crystal clear what your strategy ought to be um which is running the ball um i mean it's how arizona almost beat them and i think oregon's a little better team than arizona um it was close though 
and, and all you have to do, and all you have to do, is have better cornerbacks than Arizona had to prevent their occasional deep pass. Which yeah. Mikhail Wright and DJ James are better cornerbacks than anybody on Arizona's team. So, like, uh, the, Washington doesn't really. And the the reason the UCLA game gave me hope is, like I was saying earlier, that I was sort of pleasantly surprised by how much Oregon adjusted its strategy to UCLA's mm-hmm. defensive weaknesses. So, like. I'm going to assume that that's a pattern, you know, going <laughs> forward that Oregon will be strategically wise in its offensive play selection. Um, right. So uh, Washington's not the one that worries me. The one that sort of worries me is uh, to, uh, of all of them is Utah. Um, yeah. Cause that's a game that's in Salt Lake city, right? Yes, that's true. Um, but it's, it's hard to get a read on Utah because of their quarterback change. Like a lot of their, mm. you know, we, we have less data, less useful data on them because like all of their losses were non cam rising losses. Um, and the other thing is I haven't charted Utah. Like it's just been a quirk of the schedule. Like they haven't been a, a team that played a team that was about to play Oregon, if that makes any sense. And haven't um, they looked kind of like iffy up until they recently? started out that way? Yeah. But that's when they were not playing rising. And that's what Utah fans mm-hmm. will tell you is like, well, if we started right. rising at the beginning of the year, we'd be undefeated right now. And I'm like, well, I don't, and, and but like I haven't charted them, so I can't gainsay them. I, you know, my, my point is merely that, you know, they're a very, they're a low uh, data team for me right now. And so mm-hmm. that's that. That's what I get worries it. me. I'm I'm the type of person who is comforted by having good quality data, um, and I don't have much for Utah, so that's why they worry me. Everybody Wait, else, you're nah. telling me you prefer science to just believing? Mm. That's Aaron, you're from. you're the heart. Yeah, I, well, philosophically, I identify as a positivist or post-positivist. Yes, sure, sure. Well, there you go. Well, um, we're already talking them. Let's let's talk about these other. 11 teams in the Pac-12 in our most famous segment, Bottom 11. <laughs> That's right. It's the bottom 11. Um, Aaron, we had a lot of games going on this last week, and we had uh, some non-Pac-12 teams involved. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. We started it off Washington against Arizona. And as Hitha, they already talked about, I mean, we wanted it to happen. We wanted it to happen so bad. We wanted Arizona's first win in a couple of years to, to be against Washington in the desert. Like it usually happens. And it looked like there was a possibility that it would. But the, the Huskies pull it off 21 to 16. 21-16 against Arizona. They scored good 21 points with, with without our man McLeod. So and it was it was a yeah. late comeback too. Like Arizona yeah. was leading for almost the entirety of the game. Wait, and Arizona is like total poops, right? They are. Mm-hmm. They haven't won a football game since like freaking. And they were leading the Huskies, and you're concerned that we're gonna lose to the Huskies. Yes, I am. That's why I'm concerned is because they look so bad. I mean, it would be the yeah. it, it may be a low priority event, but it is an absolutely lethal consequence event. Like if Oregon loses to Washington, just shut the program down, you know? <laughs> well, and Aaron, you know, I'm always saying if we have a really bad season, I want it to be truly bad. And I want our only two wins to be against the Beavers and the Huskies to, right. to humiliate them. Um, that That's what they would do to us. Get their stank over us. That's I guess maybe. Uh, they I bad. feel like this is a part of that whole thing where for some reason people in you know Oregon just tend to dislike people in Washington when people in Washington are like Oregon y'all are cool it's like we're aggressive dude that I received from Washington fans we're aggressive <laughs> as hell yeah from fans um yeah so that was a game 
damn, these teams. Cool. Suck. Wow, man, yeah. I I might try to find that in one of those Pac-12 and 60 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, then we had a Coog fight, classic Coog fight. Uh, BYU goes to Pullman, Washington, and they get the win, twenty-one to nineteen. I believe this is what, wow their fourth Pac-12 win. It is, uh, and they still BYU? have one to go. The closer against uh, USC? USC, and they're probably going to beat USC because I know everyone's man. probably going to beat them. Texas Trojans are falling apart, huh? Yeah, they. Ba- uh, it's a little sneak peek for they uh, bad. But uh, <laughs> BYU versus Washington State. Uh, I mean, hey, credit to BYU. They it is pretty cool what they've been able to pull together. Uh, Washington State also. It's like kind of crazy that they were even able to keep this a close game, considering half of their staff is gone including their now ex head coach who it doesn't sound like his lawsuit against Wazoo is going to go too well for the religious exemption for the vaccine thing. That's what I heard. Um, He's really trying to pull that. Yeah. He's he's suing his school. He sounds like a classy dude. Yeah. Um, Bye bye. So there you go. Uh, Cougs win the uh, Coug fight. Colorado versus California. This one I remember had me on the, on the fence here. Uh, we had just played California, obviously, um, and and they it was competitive against us. Uh, Colorado has looked so 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 terrible on offense. Obviously, they've had prob- offensive line problems and just uninspiring kind of just everything. Uh, yeah. But it looked like, hey, maybe this would be competitive. Cal beats them twenty six to three. I wow. Is there like I know you shouldn't set these random um, bars in games because because you don't know like there's a million things that could happen just like you said Hithliday, but if if Colorado scores more than thirteen points on us, I mean maybe that means we get some backup defenders out there. But I'm gonna I don't want it to be a 31-24 game. I will be so upset if suddenly their offense comes alive against us. Yeah, I, I, I'd accept that if you limit it to offensive scores because, you know, mm-hmm. there's all yeah, true. you know, special teams or whatever. Uh, you know, there's there's high weird randomness about that. But if the offense marches the field twice against Oregon, then fire everybody. Like, it is <laughs> astonishing how bad this offense is. Here, let me run, you know, I've now charted all their games. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, please. The their uh their overall success rate is a thirty three point five percent, which is literally the lowest I have ever charted in more than a decade of doing this, including FCS teams. Wow. Um, it it's uh yeah no it's their their uh, third down uh conversion rate is a twenty six percent, which is I, I like pretty close to last place in the country. Um, I could get them up to twenty eight. Yeah, they're sure. uh Maybe. they give up three three point two sacks per game, which you know, wow. Um is gonna have a day. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing, is like I wonder I don't want Thibodeau to have to play a full game, but I would like him to really just like get let loose for the first half. Yeah, I know, like something like yeah, that. Yeah, like padding a stat line with like a 30. I mean, Cal sacked him six uh Colorado's quarterback uh six times. Like yeah. It's uh, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna feast is what we're saying. Um, and California, yeah, they feasted. Then, as we all know, the three point win, which some conspiracy theorists out there should think should have gone to overtime or something. I don't know. Thirty four to thirty one, we win that fairly. Uh, and then the Texas Trojans, USC, Texas T, um, <laughs> Notre Dame. They they go. 
right. game, and they right. lose the way we knew they would, thirty-one to sixteen. There's there's talent on this team outside of Drake London. Um, you know, it's it's amazing how truly bad they look. Notre Dame has has made a lot of mediocre teams look better than mediocre, uh, but USC ended up just looking bad because they bad. They bad. Let's see. <laughs> what yep. a bummer. And then this I game. I was stoked on that at the beginning of the season, too, when I learned that a bunch of Texas kids go out there. Well, Aaron is probably not going to change. They're probably still going to be able to recruit from Texas. And, hey, it depends. Who do they get, you know? Who do they get as their new head coach? Um, Aaron, this is the game I watched, though, because a lot of these games are on at the same time. Uh, this right. was the one that I was very, very much down with. Oregon State. uh at home against Utah, it was uh, Utah did ha- uh, build the early lead. I do believe and it wasn't but just in- early. I mean, it was into the third quarter. Yeah, I I, I forget exactly. I mean, I watched this whole thing, but I do not remember too much of the specifics of it. But I remember a well, thrilling game, and Oregon State eventually just taken off to the moon and uh, winning this thing pretty. I mean, there was a block punt. There was some turnover stuff. Like this was actually a pretty even game. And in fact, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't charted it, but I actually think Utah, if you look at the fundamental numbers, I think grades out a little bit better than Oregon state does. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it looks like an Oregon state blowout at the end, but like it was a pretty even game. Yeah, no, it, it was a, uh, it was a really fun game to watch. Um, it, just a couple of things turned it. I enjoyed it, and I like seeing a competitive Oregon State. I like the idea that that final game of the season will mean something, maybe. Um, Because as far as the Pac-12 North goes, I don't see why you would say they're not the number two right now. I mean, I think think it's over. Like, I... I don't yeah. know. I haven't I haven't run out the scenarios, but I believe at this point we're we're like one game away from it being mathematically impossible for it to be anybody but Oregon and Oregon wow. State. Wow. Which goes to show where the rest of the the pack is. <laughs> Man, I mean, yeah. Adam, you breaking down all of those games makes me realize one thing. What's that? I think I did terrible in picking. Well, uh, let's look into that, shall we? The pick. The pick. That's right. Uh, we got the great Quack 12 pickoff here. The contest between Aaron and I. Um, as we we got it all on the board here, I'll just get straight to the results here. So, uh, Aaron, you got USC and you got Utah wrong. That was the one you got Oh, wrong. wow. I really thought I got like four of them. No, you did. You got four right. So, there you go. Woo! And then uh, I got Colorado wrong. I backed them buffs, unfortunately. Good job. So, I'm gaining slowly but surely. However, you still have the slightest of leads. Aaron has 34 correct picks. I have 33. Pretty amazing stuff. You're still ahead. Man, Uh, it's amazing that I tend to do this. It's wild because it's been apparent over the past hour of how little I understand. Yet still you seem to understand it on a level that I don't. So Yeah. I mean, I'm here like just ragging on Chip Kelly, and then Hithelday comes in with actual knowledge, calling yeah. him a genius. And I'm well, like, just well, just basic mm-hmm. duck knowledge too, my man. <laughs> he's 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 a mad genius. Mad genius. Mad genius. Yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of mad genius, it's time to make your picks, Aaron Schroeder. All right, uh, let's do this, baby. You are still going first. So we're starting it off October 30th, the night before um, or the day before Satan's birthday. The Hallows of All Hallows Eve. Eve, right? Yeah. No, wait, okay. the Eve of All Hallows Eve. 
That is weird. Is Hollows is Hollows Eve? When they say that, is that the day before Halloween or is Halloween yeah, the called? Eve of no the no Halloween all, is All Hallows Day is November first, so Hallows Eve is October. Ah, uh, that's right. why you're on the but show. It's all Saints Day. There you all go. Saints Day is November second. Oh, uh, anyway, don't know anything? Well, on none of those days, October thirtieth at noon, Washington State goes to Tempe and they take on. Arizona State, them Sun Devils who are coming off a bye. Uh, my man, easy pick. Oh yeah, not the Sun Devils because you're still your anti-Arizona ways. Anybody but baby. I appreciate it. Um, it's it's a weird situation. I think if Rolich was still there with this whole staff, I think this game could be a lot more competitive. I think what the weird state that Washington State is is in seems to still be able to function somewhat, but I do think Arizona state is just a better team. While um, I agree with you, I still not going to pick them. Okay. I, I'm going with ASU. I, I think they're going to, especially off a of bye. Yeah. I, I, oh, I got them. Actually, you reminded me And real quick. I don't want to, we don't need to sit here for all that long, but I will mm-hmm. say, I just watched a really fun TV show where the first episode was about the basketball player nicknamed headache. I played at ASU and was doing the sh- the point shaving thing. Hmm. Fascinating. Oh, oh yeah, playing for the mob. Is that it? No, no. It's called. It's a. T- it's a Netflix thing. This is why I didn't want to sit here because now I'm plugging Netflix. Uh, but it's called like Bad Game or something like that. But the ep- uh. it's a it's interviews him, his cohort, the guy that was making him do it, who's a nice. total piece. So of it's guy. a documentary. Yeah, but it's like a TV. It's like you know, each episode's an hour long. Yeah, episode after that. It's not a. It's not a fictionalized recreation. It's a no, not at all. It's like them interviewing, showing clips, uh, talking like they will show like how he's like how he's doing it, and then it'll cut to him talking about like, yeah, man, I'm the point guard. Like, if Mm. I play bad, the team plays bad. But he was able to always make it look like he's doing great because he knew how to put his own teammates in bad positions That's to where funny. they don't succeed. Just passing to the person who that can't shoot. That definitely seems metaphorical for Arizona State's football. So, yeah. yeah. But anywho, yeah, it's really fascinating. It was really fun. Made me think of it. That's But fun. also, I can never be a fan of Arizona. Okay. I, I think this game's really, like, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I think Arizona State probably wins too, but, like, I don't know. Both of these teams are really hard to get a beat on. Like Arizona State is not this, you know, giant killer. Uh, you know, the, the, they they have a bunch of like real fundamental flaws to their team, and then they hit an explosive play, and everybody forgets about them. And you know, it's a team that sort of reminds me of Utah in 2019. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I think this game, you know, and and Wazoo similar is like really difficult to get a beat on. Like they look dead in the water and then they put Delora back in and fired their coach. And, you know, then they, they're on like a three in one streak. It's just like, yeah, yeah know, they're should be an interesting game. beat us somehow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Yeah, I am excited about that one. Um, and luckily I get to watch Michigan State. I'm oh shit! Take on Michigan right before because I'm actually excited about that. What's that? Did uh did did the whole w- what coaches got fired? Was that Wazoo? That was Wazoo. Yeah, it was Wazoo's head coach along with their offensive line coach, their quarterbacks coach, their cornerbacks coach, and mm-hmm. their uh, defensive shit, I chose tackles wrong. coach because they think Bill Gates is controlling I, their blood. Or yeah, I just remembered all of that, and now I know I've I've messed up in choosing them. 
You can switch. I'll, I'll get you one. But I can't go for Arizona. Okay, there you go. Um, up next after that, Colorado taking on uh, the University of Oregon Ducks, number seven Oregon Ducks at Autzen Stadium. Will there wow. be no from more ten, booing? From, from four to eight to nine to ten to seven. Seven. Wow. Go ten to nine to seven or something. I don't know. What What you thinking here? Well, obviously, it's the Ducks. It's the Ducks. I think we can all say the Ducks here, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. It better not be a close game, but it will be. <laughs> um, well, we already no, know this pick for be. you, Aaron. Arizona going to Los Angeles, going to the Coliseum, take on USC. USC, Texas Trojans. Man, this is going to be interesting as hell. A team that cares but hasn't won in like two and a half years or whatever, taking on a team that does not care but is way more talented. Uh, but also their last three home games, they've gotten blown yeah. out by teams that they were far less talented or, or their opponent yeah. was far less talented than they were. And even though it's this USC team, if you're Arizona's coach, you got to be thinking like, hey, if I get a win, like a win, any win will do me. But a win over USC in name, that's still that's something um, freaking USC is probably going to no. Fuck that. I'm going Arizona Wildcats. I mean, you can't beat Aaron unless you make different picks. Yeah, I'm doing it. Arizona. Also, you know, I think I think it's smart to go the way you chose because of the way they played last week. Against a better team than Arizona. I mean, Arizona's a bad, bad team with not much talent. So, but I do believe that this is actually a game where both teams are the mental preparation is proving ground type stuff, you know, because they both have like embarrassing things happening to them. Yeah. Uh. So I still, I, yeah, I still think it's going to be the the Texas T. I personally think it'll be something like USC goes up like twenty one to three or something like that for a while, and then they just like sit and like are, are just done basically. Right, they go dormant. But Wildcats ain't done, and they just. Uh, like I don't know. It's hard to say this when you're thinking about like, okay, who's throwing the ball though? But this is I want to see the Wildcats roar back because they care more. Yeah, but this is either know. the most exciting game of the week or absolutely the most boring. It's probably going to be a USC blowout, and that sounds boring. <laughs> uh, but probably not because they suck. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Oregon State mm. taking on Cal and Berkeley. Oh, Beavs all day. Going with Beavs, right? I would think the Beavs. Uh, Cal has not beaten anyone very good. And I think the Beavers are at least good. They should be ranked. I think this, after this win, they'll be ranked, I think, number 25. Uh, What do you think about them Beavs against Cal and just in general, Hithleday? You know, I I actually haven't done any film study on on Oregon State. Um, It's just another weird quirk of the schedule. I haven't really watched them at all. Um, I don't know what to think about them. I, I know everything to think about Cal because I, you know, not only, uh, you know, did I chart all of them going into the Oregon game and then Oregon, but I just finished charting the Colorado versus Cal game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I've watched every one of their games. Like I, I understand why Vegas set this line pretty close. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's practically a pick them. Um, uh like I think some of the ways that Cal is a pretty efficient rushing offense match up really well with the way that Oregon state is sort of struggling against the run. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think this is going to be a close game. It would be extremely Oregon state to give Cal uh, this win. 
Like yeah. that, that so fits with, <laughs> you know, the sort of snake bit nature of that program. Like, mm-hmm. um, and like Cal's a really snake bit team too. So like who has worse luck? I mean, that's really, he, here's my prediction for this game. Whoever has worse, you know, both of these teams are going to have some bad luck in this game and whoever has worse luck loses. It's going to be a game that's decided by, you know, a field goal is going to doink off the uprights or something sure. like, or like somebody is going to be going into score and like su- and pull his hamstring and they're going to be out their star running back and lose a touchdown, you know, like right. some like, Oh my God, you poor suckers. Like, you know, something like that is going to happen um uh, in this game it's just sort of the like both these teams are just so snake bit like it's gonna happen so uh, it sounds be, like sounds like this is going to be quite the most exciting game of the week because yeah but it'll, it'll be, be in so a way random. that makes you feel bad for watching it like right right you know a game i'd rather watch a game that i think is going to be more exciting uh just because the way they play i think and 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 the desperation ucla at utah that's in salt lake city Rice Eccles Stadium, October 30th, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, UCLA coming off a tough loss. Utah coming off a tough loss. But both of them can still win the Pac-12 South, but they got to beat the other in this game. So it's still all on the lines. DTR seems like, he, I mean, he definitely got hit real hard. A lot yeah, of times, baby. But um, he's resilient as hell. He's proven that. So who knows? What you thinking? I think I have to go with the Utes. Going for Utes? I think so. I I think UCLA is going to bounce back. This is a tough one. I really don't know. But I think UCLA is going to bounce back, even on the road, which that's sure. going to be, I still think it's going to be a really tough environment because uh, those Mormons know how well, to party. Well, I guess it's, is, uh, is Chip Kelly tricky enough to confuse the Utes, really, right? That's the Sure, sure. That's the I mean, question I, for the game. I think he'll do. I don't know. I think DTR will have enough magic to pull off a win. I do think this game is going to be super close, though. Yeah. Are you leaning one way or the other, Hith? I. I mean, I'll lean towards Utah because I don't know what DTR status is. Yeah. Like he really looked like he was um, just not able to play at the end of the, the the Oregon game. And on the other hand, he's definitely taken some injuries that made me think, oh, that guy's done. And then he wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like I said, Utah's a low information team for me, but I'm very high information about UCLA, and I hate picking in that circumstance because, like, you know, I I. I, I'm intimately familiar with all of UCLA strengths and all of their flaws. And like, if I can't balance that against a team that I'm more familiar with, then, then like I tend to exaggerate both. Um, I get it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I'll just go with Utah cause you know, it's a home game and I think they look like a more complete team. And I think that their loss to Oregon state was less devastating to them that like UCLA season was that game against Oregon. Like that was the safe chip Kelly's job game. Um, oh shit. Do you think he's going to be gone? I think, I I think that UCLA is going to finish like seven and five, and it's going to be really hard to justify keeping Chip Kelly around. Wow. See, now I feel bad being mean. But if they had finished like eight and four with a win over Pac-12 champs, Oregon, like that might have been enough to save his job. I bet you it starts the wheels in motion, but I bet you he's got at least another two years there Mm because I don't think they have the guts to pull the trigger <laughs> i mean I, um, yeah i i hate I, I hate picking like this i hate it when people make 100 percent of their picks on psychological factors because it's just like it's made That's up me. nonsense but like i think that kyle whittingham is better at getting his team ready to bounce back from a loss than chip kelly will be yeah at getting ucla to bounce back after, after a loss i can see that um trippy 
final game of the night. Washington going to the farm, taking on Stanford. This oh. is a game. This is obviously like uh, a wounded Stanford. Stanford that has, I mean, they have one huge win. That's for sure. Uh, a huge win against the Ducks. Outside of that, um, I know. would assume Stanford continuing to suck would lower our rankings because they beat us. It definitely did for a while. I right. mean, uh, people, I mean, it's it's the reason why Ohio State, a team that we went to their house and beat them, why they are ranked higher than us, even though we have the same record. Yeah, because right. we Ohio lost. State has a great loss, whereas Oregon. Yeah, right. Whatever. Okay, I'd like to phone a friend on this one, if you don't mind. Sure. Hint of the day, I need some input. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I think this game can be really interesting because it's like the it's a it's strong on strong, week on week. Um, it, by far the best thing that Washington does is defend the pass, and the only thing that Stanford does well is pass the ball. So that's an interesting uh, contest. Okay. Washington's huge vulnerability is that they can't defend the run at all. Stanford in the past has kicked Washington's butt because they love running the ball, but this year they're really bad at running the ball. So that's week on week. Um, I don't know. It's possible that Stanford, it's possible that Stanford's passing attack overwhelms Washington's uh, pass defense. Um, that like Washington's past defense is inflated by playing teams that aren't as good at Stanford at throwing the ball to undefendable wide receivers. It could be that uh, Washington's rush defense is so weak that even Stanford's, uh, you know, terrible rushing attack overwhelms them as they have in many past years, right? Like remember in 2020 when Stanford who did not mm. look like a great running team just ran all over Washington. Like, I don't, you know, beats me. I, it's a tough game. Yeah. Strong on strong week on week, you know, are really interesting. Um, you know, Washington's offense in general is terrible. Uh, Stanford's defense intent in general is terrible. The one way that that Washington scored points against Arizona was hitting some deep shots. Uh, the one thing that I would describe as, as fairly good about, uh, Stanford's defense is they've got a really good cornerback in Caillou blue Kelly. Um, so, uh, so again, week on week, but then a wow. strong, on strong element within it. Like, yeah, it's it's a real tough one. Um, it's I, foolish you know, to bet on this game. I'll tell you that it would much. be very foolish to bet on this game. I really don't know how it's going to go. It's it's again probably one of those games. Frankly, like Washington's last game, that's probably going to turn on just you know an interception that comes out of nowhere and that's it. Like you know, and you know, very difficult to predict. Personally, wow. Okay. Then I choose the Huskies. Going with the Huskies? I am. My personal prediction, I'll, I'll add some extra juicy details in here. I think Tanner McKee throws three interceptions, yet Stanford still wins this game. Wow, that's a hell of a prop bet. 20, I can see it happening. 21 to 14. Interesting. That's what I'm Do you thinking. think those three interceptions, one touchdown becomes of those, and the other two, nothing happens with them? Yeah, yeah. I'll say totally. One's a pick six. That's how the there Huskies it is. Get. There and it the, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Far out. Um, so there you go. I mean, That's an Oregon fan's rooting interest is super clear in this game, right? Like, boo Washington and Stanford is Oregon's loss, so you want them to look good. So, like, you know, give me Stanford because that's definitely what I'm going to be rooting for. And if I don't know the answer to a question, I just, you know, if I don't know the answer to how a game is going to go down, I go with the team that I'm going to be rooting for because then I'm not in conflict. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I didn't even put that together. Right. Stanford beat us. So we kind of want them to keep being cool. So got it, it looks my man. like we actually had a tough loss. 
Got it. Quality loss. How interesting. College football, the inner waviness of it is fascinating. Well, it's very unlike the NFL or really any other major sport in that, like, the the people who play in the postseason are determined by having a debate as opposed to, you know, like the NFL is like, you know, like it's a formula. You won this number of games and you had, you know, or baseball or or basketball or anything else. It's just like, yeah, we know who goes to the playoffs. You have to win the division or have the wild card, you know, based on this in college football. It's like, well, let's see. (laughs) They beat this team and lost to that team, but you have to remember their quarterback was out. And yeah, you can make, you can make like passionate arguments. Oh, dude. I mean, there's a reason why there's a million college football podcasts. It's because debate is a key element to determining the postseason. But there's only 81 podcasts in Australia that are bigger than the Quack 12 podcast. You got damn right. That That was a huge win for us. Thank you, Chartable. Uh, Keep bringing us those tasty Australian clicks and subscribes. Uh, We're very happy to talk to all of our fans across the world, especially after this big win. We've got uh, Colorado coming up. Um, I believe if everything goes according to plan, we should have an old friend coming on the podcast later this week to talk with uh, Hithliday and I about Colorado. Dive deep into their roster. uh, Check it out. See what's going on there. What's wrong? And also, if everything goes according to plan, go check out the Ralphie Report, uh, which is our friend Jack Barsh. I believe Hithliday will have done an interview with them. Uh, talking probably more about them ducks, uh, you know, with uh, Jack, we love. Um, if you'd like to follow Hithliday, who again does film reviews for the website Addicted to Quack, uh, in his articles Duck Tape, you follow him on Twitter at Hithliday1, H Y T H L O D A Y, the number one. And uh, yeah, go to Addicted to Quack. Hithliday, as always, thanks for uh, enlightening us on Oregon football, what we saw, what we didn't see. I'm excited for the season so far. I still think we're looking real good. And uh, Aaron, I love you, and I love your new setup, by the way. We'll see if it sticks. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. I don't know. Listeners, if you can see this, if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know what you what you think of uh, Aaron's new setup here. I, I mean, I'm definitely cool. more comfortable, that's for sure, but like, you know, I can't get to the screen. And... Yeah, you can't really do anything, but uh, just yeah. sitting back <laughs> my, puffing my on that best. vape like... Uh, All I can the, do is bring up shit. <laughs> the Caterpillar and Alice yeah. in Wonderland over here, but uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being on the show again, Hithliday. My pleasure. Always good talking to you guys. Take care. Yeah, baby. All right. Quack, quack. Quack.